I V M. You are listening to the Signal Daily, brought to you by Front Page Studios. While bigwigs from around the world huddled in Delhi to discuss world matters, the locals decided it was the perfect time to savor a weekend escapade. And if you're listening to us from Delhi, you know exactly what I mean. Thanks to Janmashtami falling on the seventh and a city-wide curfew from the eighth to the tenth, thanks to the G20 summit, folks in Delhi got an unexpectedly long break. But what do you do when a long weekend falls in your lap and your city is in virtual lockdown? You consider a spontaneous trip to the Pahad, right? That's precisely what Delhiites did. And as folks started leaving town, travel agencies and hotels suddenly got a whole lot busier. Prakash Sangam, the CEO of Redbus, told CNBC TV 18 that his company witnessed a rush in bus bookings for vacation spots like Manali, Jaipur, Rishikesh, Dehradun, Haridwar, Udaipur, Amritsar, Nainital, Dharamshala, Ujjain. and even nearby cities like Chandigarh, Lucknow and Gorakhpur. He mentioned that the online bus ticketing platform saw a 230% jump in folks heading out of Delhi for the weekend. That time frame also worked wonders for Kasoli, a popular hill station in Himachal Pradesh. Some credit the return of tourists to the G20 summit, while others think it's because the rainy season took a breather. Either way, before this weekend and especially during the monsoon season, Kasoli had seen a dip in visitors mainly because of the relentless rains that thrashed Himachal Pradesh. In a nutshell, the tourism industry was struggling, but Kasoli pulled off a 100% booking last weekend with roughly 70% of guests from New Delhi alone. It's not just the tourism and hospitality scene outside Delhi that saw a buzz. You see, Delhi itself had to get ready to host more than 200 foreign delegates last weekend. And so Delhi's finest hotels like Taj, ITC Morya, the Lalit, Limeridian, the Leela Palace and the Pullman were fully booked with over 2000 rooms reserved for international delegates. And that's not all. At Bharat Mandapam, where the summit took place, ITC pulled off a culinary feat. They brought in chefs from all corners of India who worked around the clock to serve over 100,000 meals at the India Trade Promotion Organization or the ITPO over 3 days basically itc hotels took charge of the catering including special banquets for the prime minister and president while we don't have exact numbers it's safe to assume that g20 was a bounty for delhi's hospitality sector well i guess india pulling off the g20 summit was a win in more than a few ways For the next few minutes you are going to know a little more than you did yesterday from the world of technology, business, policy and anything that leaves you with food for thought. Hello, I am Farheen Khan and this is the deep dive for September 12, 2023. Did Google, the planet's go-to search engine, become the 1.7 trillion behemoth that it is by breaking the law? specifically America's antitrust laws this question is at the heart of a historic monopoly trial against Google with proceedings set to kick off today in the US district court for the district of Columbia in the court presumably 
there will be a lot of drama and some firecrackers. In the trial, which is by the way scheduled to last 10 weeks, we will have on one side the American government's Department of Justice, which will try its level best to argue that Google's business practices to maintain dominance in the search engine market are monopolistic, anti-competitive and therefore illegal. In its 2020 filings, the Department of Justice had called Google a quote-unquote monopoly gatekeeper for the internet. And on what basis? Well, there is a lot to unpack in the American government's lawsuit. But the primary argument hinges on an 18-year-old behind-the-scenes hush-hush deal between Google and Apple. Under this agreement, Google reportedly pays Apple $18 billion annually to set its search engine as the default option on the iPhone. Similar deals are in place with Samsung and other companies, which makes Google's search engine ubiquitous across devices. According to an estimate, Google lords over 90% of the search engine market in the US and 91% globally. The Department of Justice argues that these agreements are anti-competitive and effectively choke out others in the search market. Journalist Casey Newton of Platformer says there's a considerable argument to be made that deals like these create a barrier to entry for Google's competitors. He cites the example of Neva, an upstart search engine that shut shop earlier this year. Once valued at $250 million, it could have never paid a sum as exorbitant as $18 billion a year for the privilege of becoming the default search engine on iOS. In the court, Google, on the other hand, will try convincing Judge Amit Mehta that its dominance, another word for monopoly, if you will, is not solely a result of these agreements, but due to its superior search engine. And frankly, it is hard, if not entirely impossible, to dismiss this assertion. Google is the top query on Microsoft's search engine Bing. Google's top lawyer, Kent Walker, says Google paying for distribution is a standard market practice, and if someone doesn't like Google, they can switch the default search engine within four taps or fewer. Now, there's a solid counter-argument, but what he argues next can be potentially the deal-breaker for the Justice Department. In places where Google isn't the default search engine, most people go out of their way to switch it back, which, to be honest, hits close to home. Many people do it. I myself do it almost daily the moment I power up my Lenovo laptop. But that's besides the point. No doubt, Google's search engine is rock solid, maybe even the crown jewel of the market. But there's no escaping the reality that Google is also effectively a monopoly. And whatever the verdict of this trial will be, it will have far-reaching consequences. For one, the American government has signaled that move fast and break things days of big tech might be over. Also notably, This marks the first time since the turn of millennium that the American government is taking a big tech company to court over monopoly allegations. The last time was in 1998, and the target was Microsoft. According to the New York Times, monopoly trials can change the direction of industries. For example, in 1984, under pressure from the Justice Department, telecom giant AT&T had to split itself into seven regional companies which led to a more competitive telecommunications industry in the USA. In case the government wins this case against Google, Google will be at a loss and the internet economy will be in for a sea change. 
the judge might stop Google from entering into distribution agreements like the ones it has with iOS. Or, as journalist Casey Newton speculates, he might require consumers to choose which search engine they want to use. Or, 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 he might order the breakup of the company, but that seems unlikely. But if it happens, decisions like such will also hurt other companies like, say, Apple. As per a 2020 New York Times report, Google's distribution payments to Apple account for 14-21% to of Apple's annual profits. An order by the federal court to do away with the agreement might even force Apple to develop its own search engine, which, if it happens at all, will be a huge blow to Google, as it will lose users with enormous purchasing power and, as a result, a big chunk of its advertising revenue. But more importantly, this trial, as law professor Rebecca Allensworth told the NYT, will test whether antitrust laws written in America in 1890 to break up sugar, steel and railroad monopolies can still work in today's internet economy. Okay, anyway, let's stop speculating because for today, the focus is on the start of a much-awaited trial against a tech giant. If you like listening to The Signal Daily, please show us some support. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We'd love to hear what you have to say about this podcast. So feel free to shoot an email at hello at thesignal.co. The Signal Daily is produced in association with IBM. The episode was written and researched by Tanuja Pandey and Anup Simbal, edited by Roshni Nair, produced by Manaswini, mastered and mixed by Manas and Nirvan. You can catch this podcast every morning on Spotify, Apple, Amazon Prime Music, Google Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We are thesignal.co on Instagram, LinkedIn and Twitter.